Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the Welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our Uncanny X-Men, X-Men Disassembled retrospective with Kelly Thompson and Ed Brisson. We hope you enjoy. I want to go back to the summit more. You know, I, I think the summit was really fun and interesting and having us all in the office. The thing, the thing I remember most was everyone had some ideas but we definitely thought that they had an idea of what they wanted yeah and so we came in kind of like well what's it gonna be and they kind of looked at us like well what is it gonna be yeah and we all had little pieces and i remember that clearly and then i remember at a certain point i think i said to you kelly i was like well i have this i like either at lunch or like on a sidebar i was like well i had this thing i was going to do in astonishing x-men but they just canceled astonishing x-men and it's legion versus x-man yeah and you were like say it in the room yeah it's like yeah. okay yeah. yeah i remember you referred to it as grandchildren of the atom in the room yeah grandchildren of the atom because it's yeah it's it's the two most prominent x-men or two of the most prominent x-men's kids and the idea that i had was just like the idea that I wanted to do Astonishing, and I don't think we did it because I don't think it really made sense, but was the idea that, like, the world has always told the mutants that they're scary and whatever. What happens when the mutants have to face the fact that, like, some of them are terrified? That, like, yeah. these things are speeding up exponentially, and they are, like, Colossus is not a threat to people walking down the street, but, like, Legion is a threat to people walking down the street. Yeah. Like X-Man has the power to be a, like a, a global threat. And and what does it mean for them when like their own children are are sort of scaring them? It's not a very pro-mutant idea in some ways. Yeah. It's a very like dark idea of like, well, the X-Men push normal people past, you know, push humans past their comfort level what happens when the next generation of mutants push, pushes the X-Men past their comfort level of, of what people can do. And it's a very dark idea. And I think we backed away from some of the darkness on it in the book. And I think we were right to, but yeah, that was, that was a thing I threw out in the room and they, they, you know, and ends up being a big part of the book. But I, I do, I do remember fondly all of us sort of sitting down and being like, well, what are they going to ask? Tell us. And then I'm being like, yeah, staring back at us. Yeah they maybe should have just prefaced been a little more clear maybe we could have come with even more ideas although matt had enough to keep us going uh from I, all your astonishing work and everything but i will say that 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 idea of x-men and legion being the literal children of the x-men that's definitely in there like yeah we got it in there but to me that's such a great idea it's sort of deserving of its own you know it's it's really deserving of its own story you know and maybe yeah. it's not maybe it can't ever be an x-men story because it would be you know not enough punching and blowing things up because it's a little <laughs> more subtle of an idea but i think that it's in there but it deserved a lot more air than it got you know well thank as you. an idea but I, I feel that way not not to make your idea seem less special matt but i feel that way about a lot of the things the same way i said the stuff with the legion giving his powers making 
multiple man into his own personal M army, you know, multiple yeah. man army because he's offloading his other powers into multiple mans is incredible and we set it up and we do a lot of cool shit with it but then we sort of drive by the reveal of that that was what was happening so again it's another idea that's like really good and that really works when you reread it even but we did sort of yeah. still not give it enough air which is something yeah, that it, happens in an event book i think yeah I, th- I think when you make something big there's a really difficult balance between being like this is two years of story <laughs> And like you know, like yeah. there's a there's a way if you don't want it to just be punching, there's a chance that it's like, well, this is a lot of story to cram into the issues, and that will feel big in some ways. And I feel like our on uh, like uh, X Men Disassembled does feel big, but I also feel like yes, like what would it look like if they just gave us the book for two years? Like what would yeah. and each of these things was its own arc and its own like ongoing mystery. And yeah. I think that's how we sort of approached it was like, let's put a lot of story in here and a lot of mystery, and then you just have to get to the end in a month and a half, you know, two months. Yeah. The other thing that I loved at the summit um, that we've never talked about publicly was that in the middle of one of the days of the summit, uh, there was a bomb threat in the yeah. Marvel offices. <laughs> yeah. Not to, not to the Marvel offices, but to the building to the building yeah. that wow. they were in. There was a, there was a, uh, what the NYPD or whoever legal, uh, whatever authority figures, those things go to, uh, considered it a credible enough threat that the building was evacuated while we were in mid-summit and you know ed and kelly had flights to catch and so we grabbed all our stuff laptops and notebooks and went to a bar and did seven hours in the back of a bar on this book i can't believe i spent seven hours in that chair that's amazing i mean it it was a long time because we went in the middle of the day and we ate dinner there and yeah we were there late yeah it was great. It's wild. Okay. Building didn't blow up though. Yeah, and there All were right, many there were many jokes about like the fans have gotten wind of what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't want us to Just to kill. Yeah. Yeah, to kill whoever we killed. We didn't kill anyone in this book. Oh no, that's not true. We killed I killed Sugar Man. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that that's my biggest problem with the whole book is that mm. i think issue one, I killed sugar man no no issue one is great <laughs> and then and it was great and it was done and then they came in and they wanted us to double it in size mm. yeah. and so they wanted us to just do each do a 10 page backup story and i was like religiously against it i don't think uh, despite our best efforts, it, it reads that well in the first issue. Like later, like if you stay with the book, like in issue six, you're like, oh, oh, those were those things they were setting up in issue one. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think we must have been on issue four, five, or six when they had us write those. So that came really late yeah, uh, when they asked us to do it. So it was not even a thing where uh, we could tease things and pay it off uh, until much later. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's still I, I could, it's still a weird thing. I could be misremembering, but is it possible? It, this definitely happened to me, and I don't know if it happened on this book or a different book, but one of us saw the solicits and saw that the page count was high, and we were like, <laughs> what else is in this issue? And they were like, oh, you need to add more stories. Is that, tr- is that this, or did that happen to me on a different book? No, I think this one they came to us and told us that we had to write extra content i think we okay. push back i mean I I, I, again this I this is like yeah 
full fit. But like this is yeah. maybe stuff we shouldn't be talking about publicly. But I'll say anyways. I think we pushed back, and and the the pushback on the other end was that they would just have other writers write it if we didn't want it. Unless I'm misremembering that. But I think. Yeah, that's not right. I, I mean, I don't think it was said as a threat in my memory. It was no. Whole, I, like, it, yeah, we like under- just we understand if you guys are too busy, we could just get some yeah. people, and we were like, no, we hate that even more. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would say now that we've gotten that out of our system, I would like to talk about some of the things that I really like about the book. For me, one, I, I think there's a lot of, like, we've talked a lot about our headaches on it and like the stress of it. And I think what you're hearing a lot is like the stress of a weekly book. It's yeah. really fucking hard. Um, but I think, you know, and, and, and there is something inelegant about splitting I, I, I think any art, comic artist would tell you this too. Splitting a series up between artists is always difficult. Yeah. Like you want an artist to own the story even more than you want us to be cohesive, like nice cohesive art throughout is, is what you want. But I think that the artists who worked on the book were all amazing and we haven't really given them enough credit because we've been complaining a little bit, but like Mahmoud Asrar was great. RB Silva was great. Um, Ildre Sinar, Perry Perez. And then, um, the backups are Mark Bagley, a legend. And uh, I think mine was Mirko Kolak. And I think all those guys came through um, and did a job where the book, you know, it's not one artist and no one would look at it and think it was one artist, but like they all really gave it their all. And I think that's really um, under stressful conditions. And I, and so I was always really pleased when the art came back. I was always like, man, like, especially like, uh, Arby Silva, I was just like so in love with everything Arby did on the book. He was really impressing us for sure. Agreed. And there was a lot of, I do remember there was a lot of them having to try and match stuff up with stuff that hadn't been drawn yet. Yeah. And so there yeah. was a lot of passing back and forth between artists having to sort of, you know, figure out, you know, looks for characters or, or, yeah. Especially I remember those last two issues because we were like, let's just bring in every X Men. And yeah. and I, I can't remember who drew the last issue, but I had to like, you know, sort of try and figure out what all the X Men were going to look like that yeah. hadn't been drawn like uh, drawn yet. Yeah, um, and there were also things like all of a sudden Magneto, Angel, uh, you know, Bob and Omega Red are crazy horsemen of transcendence or whatever they were called, right? And it's like if you were drawing them and then all of a sudden they have these crazy look like it was a lot to ask and those guys did an amazing job yeah and i don't know i mean uh, our editors also like uh darren and uh darren chan and and jordan white were juggling our stuff and and the coming hickman stuff and that's a lot to ask and i don't know if they were shielding us from angry emails from artists or if the artists were just super amenable and really good sports but i always felt like man we complain a lot in the emails and the artists are just workhorsing this stuff so good and i was always like man we we need to you know like we need to take a page from their books but it's possible that we just weren't cc'd on emails and they were miserable too and poor darren and jordan just got beat up in every email they got but so that's something that i i remember fondly what do you what do you guys think of fondly in the books yeah so like just looking at the first like i'm just i've been sort of flipping through the issues I do like, uh, you know, like I talked about it a couple of times throughout this podcast. I did think that we did a lot of fun stuff with the younger characters in, in trying to elevate them some. 
uh, it, this is dumb as shit, but I was like really excited to get the mutant liberation front in there. They're like, they're like just a stupid favorite of mine from the nineties from that, that era of stuff. And, uh, I think we gave them like pretty cool, you know, updates to their look. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really yeah. happy with how that sort of came in and, and how that stuff sort of played a role going forward. I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought there was a lot of fun stuff in there. Um, so that that's the thing that I, I I was just really happy with how all that sort of stuff came to. I feel mixed about the kids stuff. I think the plot line is super worthy, and I think uh, Ed was really right to push for it. I think it's a relevant, a big deal for those kids that often look sort of ignored. Um, plot wise, it's like you know, oh, we created them while we needed them, and now we don't need them, so let's never see them again. And it's weird. And so I, I'm glad we did it, but you know, I tend to be very averse at this point, ironic considering what I've been doing on my sub stack lately, but I like, I don't want the heroes fighting each other a lot and bickering a lot. I have a low tolerance for that. And so in my reread, I think that's the part of the kids plot line that I didn't love, but I do like that we brought it up and that we have them pushing against it and all that stuff that Ed really fought for. I think all of that stuff really works. I'd love to see another story, much like Matt talking about um, the children of the X-Men stuff. I think that's a plot I'd like to see as the main plot in another book. You know what I mean? Like the evolution of those kids. I just think, again, it just gets a little bit lost in the, the shuffle. I think that's why I keep talking about the first four issues because that's what I like. I think they're really under control there. The ideas haven't gotten so big yet. It's still allowing itself, even though there's like world crazy world stuff and you can feel that it's a larger plot. It's a mystery and it feels right how these characters are addressing it, but it just gets too big for its britches at one point for me. But yeah, I think a lot of the ideas in there are cool. Kitty disappearing was really good. I thought apocalypse was a great reveal although matt's right the krakoa of it all sort of makes it feel less interesting now um and and i'm with matt about the artists like they did an incredible job under very tough conditions i think the thing i'm sort of flipping through the nice hardcover on sale now at your local comic book store (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i'm flipping through it and i i remember now like how happy I was when the X-Man design came in and we were like, you know, cause we were like, he's messianic. He's going to reshape the world into what he thinks is a utopia. Cause he's from a dystopia and he's learned his lesson. And I think when he came back and has a very Jesus look about him, I was so <laughs> amused by that. And so enamored of just like long haired bearded X-Man with the robe open. So you can shredded. see the X tattoo. Yeah. Shredded. shredded and like, you can see his tattoo and I'm just like, he looks like a, like an old hardcore kid who's become like discovered acid and is like living in the desert like it's such a good look for him he's got a jared leto vibe (laughs) well that's a darker place than i wanted to go but sure maybe uh and i just i just really uh i really love it and then i remembered how we end it with he just banishes everyone i mean spoiler he just banishes everyone and then dies in the ocean yeah (laughs) and on the shore on the shore and the waves wash and he's gone and all that's left is the little thing and uh i really uh love that ending 
and in hindsight like it really made me smile to see him like debating gene and like that was a big thing i remember being like he's gonna win like he's gonna win in a sense because gene tries to talk him out of doing this stuff and then he's just like no go away (laughs) and he like banishes them and uh it's a really really dark ending for for an event like this and i'm i was always really happy with that Mm. i was in a very dark place in my life so i was sort of steering things very dark but uh it i'm i'm really pleased looking at that stuff i am curious i don't want to put you guys on the spot and we can cut this out if you like but Mm -hmm. did you have any reaction to it does any of what we're saying make sense with what you read or anything maybe a little yeah it it definitely it definitely reads as uh, like those weekly books how how you you can kind of get a vibe that they that they are on that like speedy assembly line i certainly don't think that this because i i think you guys have been a bit hard on it and i think i I certainly don't think it's it's like a victim of that circumstance i think it i think it holds up and it has a lot of a lot of fun in it for sure but we i I could definitely see yeah the points that you're making about it um but there are there are a lot of character beats that i end up really enjoying yeah i actually didn't realize that it was weekly until we sat down to do it and then i was flipping Mm. through marvel unlimited and i saw the dates and i was like holy shit (laughs) yeah yeah the the funny thing about us being hard on it and and i can't speak for kelly or ed here but like i'm really hard on everything (laughs) yeah i was gonna um if if i was honest about any book i've written it it would be a very similar podcast you know yeah and i i i really bite my tongue in in doing press for a book when i'm doing it mm-hmm. but this is a post-mortem on a book and i think <laughs> that's a good chance for us to sort of whatever i don't think necessarily that's that these are my experiences in the t- at the time or my thoughts at the time mm-hmm. i was pretty i was pretty in love with doing it i was pretty in love with you know working with with these two and working with all these artists and just getting the chance to do it i mean it's it literally a lifelong dream come true of mine mm-hmm. and like i owe you know jordan and and cb and and joe and everyone at marvel like that like they they did that for us and that for me is everything but i also spend the next four years dissecting things and thinking about things and Mm -hmm. and hopefully you know to me that comes from growing as a writer yeah being like i think second guessing things i think there's a big gulf here you know sometimes fans or readers whatever you want to call them get sort of prickly about oh well you're being too hard on this thing or oh well i really liked it or whatever but uh, any creator i think you're going to excavate things differently because you're trying to figure out how you can do it better and why did this work and this didn't work and can i duplicate that or re you know bring that into something else so i think we're definitely all going to be more hard on ourselves and there's nothing easier to be hard on yourself about than a big a big flashy event where your publisher is like throw everything at it we want to see it you're like okay you know so it gets messy in there and uh absolutely i will say on a Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and it's a danger of looking back on things like, you know, I think a lot about um, George Lucas and and Friedkin Mm -hmm. going back and revisiting past films and Mm -hmm. and fixing them. And and they don't. They make them, you know, infinitely worse. Uh, (laughs) And and there's there's that danger when you're looking back at things. I think sometimes things work at a time. and for reasons that you might not be able to understand a little bit later as a creator, as a writer. Um, hmm. 
but the, they work in their own way. And, you know, you just have to sort of move on from it, take what you uh, think you learned from it and, and sort of apply that going forward. But yeah, like mm. I, I think all of us, you know, if, if you put a, on a podcast where I talk about any book I've worked on, uh, mm. even books I'm working on currently, I could like, just sit right, here. What do you, what and, do you hate the, about the books you're working on right now? I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I can be fair to my co-creators, but I could, you know, like if, if, if you guys want to do a time capsule podcast where we release in five years, uh, I can tell you everything that I, I, I wish I'd done differently on books that came out two months ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a tough one. It's, it's hard. I think, uh, you know, both Matt and Kelly have already said, we're going to be our worst critics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I always think about like years ago, I met Brian K. Vaughn and I gave him a copy of my first creator on book, We Can Never Go Home. And he was like, how do you feel about it? And I was like, OK, <laughs> like, and I was just honest. He's one of my favorite writers. And I was like, I feel OK about mm-hmm. it. And he was like, that's good. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, when you're in love with it, you stop trying to improve. Like you mm-hmm. stop trying to grow. And I think what Ed said is is an encapsulation of that, but also the really good point that it's like, not only do I think I'm a better writer than I was then, so I'm going to look at it from a better writer standpoint, but I'm also a different person than I was four years ago. And like, I'm looking at a different person's book and being like, well, how would I do that? And that's always going to be the challenge. And like, I'm glad that I look at this and go, oh, I would tighten this up. I would clean this up because I think that's important for the growth of the work. But I'm also like happy to see like for me personally, like where I was when I made this book is not where I want to be in my life. And I'm in a different place now. And I'm happy to see that like I don't love the work that came out of that person wholly. I love parts of it and parts of it, parts of it impress me and parts of it make me sad and and stuff and i think that's a fun experience as a creator i think like criticizing your work and going back and revisiting it with through the toughest lens i i think is really important and really enjoyable like i love beating my old self up i i would just like to slightly disagree i don't <laughs> i don't get great joy out of it but i do think i learn a lot like mm-hmm. looking at why something didn't work or didn't work the way i wanted it to uh, well, so that's, that's part funny. of the joy, it's, I think. I, I guess I don't know. I, you know, I, I, always... I feel like I feel like it doesn't feel like joy in the moment, but I feel like mm-hmm. when you can take that and then apply it to something you're working on, and and create like fix the thing you know that you thought yeah. you fucked up on before, I think that's where the joy comes. I don't think necessarily looking back. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Don't you, guys, don't you guys feel that? I mean, for all of us, we're all writers, and. I love it and I compulsively have to do it. But if you asked me if I'm enjoying it when I'm in the, (laughs) like it's really fucking hard, man. Like it's, Mm -hmm, there's so many moving parts and it's so hard to explain to anyone why it's hard. Like, you know, sometimes my dad's like, well, just do it. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Have you ever created anything out of nothing? Where's your book? Like, where's he, your? He, like, he, he created you out of nothing. Yeah, he had yeah. help first of all. Second <laughs> of all, I, I don't. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know about the. <laughs> nothing. There were a lot of things involved, but but sure. I I just. It's a very hard process to describe, and when I'm not doing it, I often wish I was doing it. And yet, yeah. while you're doing it, you're like, this isn't fun. Like, why do I? Why do I? <laughs> feel drawn to do this like I, I find it a very bizarre experience because 
if people ask me what are the things I love most in life, writing is one of them. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in hell a lot with it. I, you know, it's I, just part I, of it. I, I mean, I think I think it's, you know, in the same way that I approach my work that I think like you have to have the highs to have the lows and you have to have the emotional roller coaster. I feel like that in the work, like I love making something that I like because I know it was hard to make. And I was I was up at five in the morning cursing (laughs) under my breath. And then when it's done and I'm like, this is cool, like that's that's much more rewarding than if I could just sit down and make something cool and mm. just be like, that's cool. Like there, it does, it feels more earned in some ways, the the difficulty mm. of it. And I, I really am in, sort of in love with that. Well, um, before we wrap up in the spirit of, of, of looking back at what you've done before and finding something to appreciate. So I went to look for this joke that I, that I figured was Kelly Thompson and, oh uh, I, I, it's one of these three, but I have these three moments and I need everyone to take credit for, for, for whose beats these were. All right. I bet, I bet so, we, none of us remember I yeah, through your, through, through your hazy memory, even if it's not yours, you're going to take credit. So first I, also I have scripts that I can okay. All right. So you can cheat. So Laura, reason. so Laura's cutting off Omega Red's tentacles and says, dude, can't keep attacking with his gross tentacles. If we've cut them all off. And then Gabby says, He's got more. He's got so many tentacles, which is <laughs> a beat that I really enjoy. Who's going to take credit for that one? I love that, but I don't think it's mine. That feels mm-hmm. like Kelly to me. It does feel like, like Kelly. Wait, what, what, what issue? What issue yeah, is that? Kelly can solve it. It's a good question. I took these Unless screenshots. This is all from the final battle. If that helps. Oh shit! Uh, that is a problem. But, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll give that one to Kelly. Uh, the second one was. Uh, Colossus saying, as we used to say back home, the enemy of my enemy. And Iceman going, is that the whole expression? <laughs> that sounds like a bad joke. That's a bad That's joke. Definitely That's definitely me. That's 100% me. That's There's Matt. Right. All, right. All right. And then hopefully we can get an ad with this one. I feel so embarrassed that I laughed when you read that out loud. And I was like, I wrote that. That's Wait, pretty good. That, that Gabby joke is uh, Ed. Oh, damn. Uh, yeah. All right. Pages All right. 1 through 10 of... Uh, issue 10 are uh, Ed Brisson. I love that. Um, and then finally, Iceman saying, does it appear to anyone else that their master disappeared and they seem the same amount of evil? Uh, and then Laura says, yes. And then Iceman says, sort of makes you wonder why we bother, doesn't it? And Nightcrawler says, ja, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. If nobody takes credit, I'll take credit for it. I think that was you, Ethan. Mm-hmm. I think you wrote that. <laughs> I think I was ghostwriting for you back in the day. So final thoughts slash plugs. What do you What do you got? Uh, I got no more final thoughts on the book. You know, I, it's got like you know, I was flipping through it. This is where I'm sort of distracted just now, flipping through it. I think it's got mm-hmm. like a lot of really fun moments. I'd forgotten yeah. about the moment where uh, uh, during the big fight, it's revealed that the like multiple man, like Jamie Prime, is not actually there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. he's just hanging out in a bar and i thought that was a little <laughs> fun to be you know like he's he's just not participating um so yeah you know my final thoughts are you know it was a lot of fun to write with matt and kelly on this uh as much as i'm not typically a fan of of co-writing uh with mm-hmm. anyone i enjoyed doing it quite a bit and yeah i thought it was a lot of fun i think that kelly's right it probably holds together in the first half versus the back but it is what it is. And as for plugs, uh, you know, I'm writing Deathstroke Incorporated right now over at DC, mm-hmm. which is like a uh, a year one story for Slade. So, you know, check that out. I've got uh, There's Something Wrong with Patrick Todd coming out over at Aftershock, which is sort of a, mm-hmm. uh, a crime. It involves telepaths as well. Uh, a kid who uh, 
makes criminals rob banks and give him the money so he can pay for his ailing money, um, ailing mother in a, a care home. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty pretty fun book. And uh, I've got Batman. Feel good. It's a real feel good one. It's great. <laughs> and Batman Incorporated coming up soon from DC uh, as well. I think the the FOC on that is September fifteenth. I want to say so pretty pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if this podcast comes out before that, uh, please rush to your comic shop or phone your comic shop and tell them that you would <laughs> love uh, uh, ten to twenty issues or copies of mm-hmm. uh, Batman Incorporated number one. It comes and, in packs of twenties. Yeah. yeah, well, that's a, you know, if you want to read it more than once, and I think you will uh, want to read it at least twenty times. Um, but uh, yeah, and then other than that, you can find me on Twitter uh, if you like yelling at me, um, and that's just at Ed Brisson. Uh, real simple. And you and you have a newsletter, Ed. I do have a newsletter. You can just go to my website, mm-hmm. edbrisson.com, Subscribe to my newsletter, uh, where I just talk about you know comic stuff i got uh coming up i post photos of my cat and um uh, yeah he's literally he's at my elbow uh sleeping right now (laughs) and um i uh post photos of my pepper garden you know and and food that i'm cooking and all that sort of stuff and and some comic stuff from time to time <laughs> a newsletter outside of the Substack pipeline. A true it's, it's a Substack ladies newsletter. And it's, it's a newsletter. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. It is perfect. a Substack. Great. Great. Just the easiest way to do this. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> Wonderful. Kelly, we we just spoke with you, so we know everything going we on in, in the world of Kelly Thompson. But by all means, you have the floor once again. Sure. Sure. I I love doing this with Matt Ned. So. Mm. Uh, that's really my takeaway. I do like the story that we started with and the story that I feel like under better circumstances, not as rushed, less sort of interference. I like where maybe I like the dream of maybe where we wanted to go, you know, rather than where the directive was taking us. Um, but I still think it's a valid, really fun story. There's a lot of great character stuff in there. There's a few really good jokes, and there's some cool, cool ideas. Uh, I, I want to give Matt a lot of credit. I think a lot of those cool ideas really came from him. I think I do. I think he was really in the in the astonishing X Men mindset when he came in, and it made a big difference, and and it helped us sort of swing for the fences a little bit. Um, it's very nice I, of you to say. Yeah, you know that's me. Um, <laughs> I, I've written, I've co-written a few times, and this is the only one that I. And they, they've all been very different, and they've all been varying levels of success. I think for me and for the books, but this is the only one I would sort of try to do again with these guys. Like that's, mm. oh, I don't know. Um, you can find me on Substack, 1979 semifinalist.substack. I've got one book going there right now called Black Cloak. I've got the call starting, I don't know, a couple months maybe, I hope. And then we've got a third unannounced book. I'm also still doing Captain Marvel. We're headed into an exciting new arc this fall that's going to have some mm. in it. And it's Jeff is back starting <laughs> week, the week of the 12th, maybe, I think. Something like that. And that's, that's what I'm mm-hmm. Brilliant. Uh, 
Awesome. I guess I have to go. Do I have to go? You do. I'm I'm Matt Rosenberg. Uh, you can find me at ashcanpress.com. Sign up for the newsletter and get early episodes of this here podcast. <laughs> and I said podcast weird, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, fine. You kind of trailed off in general. It seems like you just lost confidence in the whole idea. Of the I show. mean, the whole the whole thing is is definitely a house of cards at this point. That is a wrap for us on part two of our retrospective on Uncanny X-Men with Kelly Thompson and Ed Brisson. As they said in the show, make sure you check out 1979semifinalist.substack.com and edbrisson.substack.com to check out everything they're working on. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest, and in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com, or tweet to Matt at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is the poison?